Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. How you guys doing? <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, welcome to Outreach Church tonight. For those of you who've never been here before, my name is Roy. Um, all of you guys probably know the guy that's going to come up here, the man that's going to come and, and share tonight. Um, he's a man that, that I've known for, for a long time now, and I can say that I wouldn't be the, the husband, the father, the friend, the pastor, the man that I am uh, without Dan. I could say, no, it's the truth. And, um, and after walking through a year that we faced some really big things, I'm even more thankful for the truth that's established in my heart. And, and he's a part of the reason that it's so established. Um, it's his voice in my life, and it's an honor to call him um, a friend. Um, and so would you guys just join me in honoring him as he comes and shares. Grab your chairs. Let's go for it. Okay. My goodness. Yeah, I didn't know what he was trying to do to me there. <sighs> Seems like the last probably three places I've been, they had me crying before I got up here. I, what's this strategy, this new strategy? Lord Jesus. <laughs> get up here all messy. You said something awesome. I don't know if you caught what Roy said. He said, uh, you're so good. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for this life we get to live. If you don't understand that, see, see what the gospel intends to do is take the perspective that we've always had on life and shift it into the true perspective of what he's always intended. It's not what he can do for us. It's what we can become in him and by him. It's not always just what he can do for us. What he can do for us is awesome. The blessing of the Lord. I'm not denying it, right? But if all you emphasize is getting something from him and never becoming something because of him, you're going to miss the point. You're really going to miss the point. And then life's going to speak way louder than truth. And that's a problem because truth's where you find freedom. And all of a sudden, you're only as good as life's going. When you sing these songs like we sang tonight, and there was a song like that that we sang. And it's not that things don't come. It's not that we haven't experienced even loss sometimes in our lives or challenges. It's that he changed our perspective. We live from a different place. Yeah? I mean, in my personal life, I've settled something a long time ago, guys. Like, I've already won. Like, I'm sealed in him. Like, I'm never going to die. I'm going to live forever in him. He's never going to judge me for where I've been. He's going to judge me for where he's been. And I sincerely have given my life to him. And he's just, he's amazing. <laughs> So it's not about what I'm going through. It's about what he wants to do in and through me. It's the message he wants to send. It's the hearts he wants to mark. It's life is good in God. Amen. So when you sing the goodness of God, please understand, you're not finding the goodness of God through the way life's unfolding. You're finding the goodness of God through the fact that he sent his son while we were yet sinners. Please don't miss this stuff. Like he sent his son while we were yet sinners. How you doing? Good to see you, buddy. Sorry, family reunion. I'm really down here turkey hunting. I come here every year in turkey hunting, you know. 
You guys don't know that maybe, but, 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 but turkey hunting started today, so I just came for today, tomorrow, and Friday. I'm leaving out Friday. And Roy said, well, what do you want to do then on Wednesday night? I said, I really wasn't. I just was coming to turkey hunting. I don't know what you are. You don't do a Wednesday night service. He said, well, we can do one. We'll do one. And I said, well, I'll gladly do one. I said, do you think anybody will come? <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> Where, and there's people over there, isn't it? Where's that, where are they at? In that, in that hole right there. Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> so there's actually people over there? And you all came, and they're over there. We pulled up, and they were like, Stan, I said, something good's going on. <laughs> I was just, oh, I just came to turkey hunt, man. And I thought, no, we, didn't. we came for more than that. It humbles me, guys, that you guys all came out on a Wednesday night, and you actually seem excited to be here. <laughs> Jesus is a big deal. And, and yeah, and I was a Christian uh, since 1995, but I went to church for a long time <laughs> and never understood this. You say, you went to church, you weren't a Christian? Well, I went to church because I thought I was supposed to go, and my mom wanted me to. And when I first got married, my wife wanted me to. And I went to church for two years just to keep my wife quiet. <laughs> I, I'm being honest. <laughs> and then she took me to a church like this where you couldn't blend in. Like, they'd sing really intense stuff, and you'd look around, and everybody was like. And, like, if you were just, like, standing there like this, you stood out. So you know what you learn to do when you're just there to make her happy? And after a while, it's like, oh, I can do this. Did it all the time for two years. Never even thought about the Lord. Never even thought about reading my Bible. Never even thought about anything about him. I just showed up on Sunday because she wanted me to. And sometimes we get so thin-skinned and shallow. She's like, well, at least he's going to church. My life was zero like Jesus. It's probably why you see a little passion in me all the time now. Because I lived that thing. And then I got saved. And the Spirit of God came into me. Not just to take me to heaven, to transform me, to put something new in me and something fresh. Yeah? Yeah. So those days are over. I remember pumping gas after I got saved. And I hadn't been to church for about eight years. I was pumping gas. I looked in the pastor that went to that. That was the pastor of that church we went to. Was pumping gas. I walked down and apologized for being a hypocrite. And just coming and playing a game. And, and just did it. And I cried and told him my whole heart. And. He held me and hugged me. I told him I'm saved. And he was happy. My wife's happy too. She is. See, I used to be resentful that she expected me to go to church. So I usually had her crying before we got home. I, I'm not joking. We could have walked to church. We lived two, three blocks away. And she's crying usually before we pulled in. Because I was subconsciously frustrated that she expected me to go. So I was always angry. God didn't create us to be that way, guys. He didn't create us to live at the expense of another person. I'll be real straight with you. He didn't create, create us just to need people to meet our needs and to be there for us. He, he created us to be in him and him in us and for us to shine and walk in love, to be filled with his spirit, to follow him. I'm just telling you, he did not create us the way we all grew up. We grew up in a lie. 
And then the truth came. So you got to put off the and put on the. Come on, this is real. He changes your perspective. He changes the why behind your life. He changes your reason for being. You put off the old and you put on the new. Your new creation created in Christ Jesus, right? Old things. Behold, how many things? I bet he's talking about my mindsets, my perspective, my motives. I bet he's not just talking about the bad stuff I did and now I'm doing better stuff. I bet he's talking about the way I thought, what motivated me, the reason, the why in my life. Like, how can you, how can you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him and stay self-centered and self-focused? <laughs> how can you deny yourself and be a Christian for yourself? <laughs> I'm going to smile the whole time I'm preaching. <laughs> How can you do it? How can you deny yourself and still have rights to be ticked off and angry and frustrated? Well, I wouldn't. Well, how come? Well, they shouldn't. Well, if they didn't, I wouldn't. See, here's the thing. You never saw him like that. That means he never taught you that or me. So where'd we get it? Because you never saw it in him. So we didn't learn it from him. He said, you have one teacher, Bob. He said, you have one teacher. He's the Christ. Call no one on earth your teacher. You got one. If you didn't learn it from him, you didn't learn it at all. The spirit of this age, the spirit of this world taught us to be self-centered. The fall of man, you were born into a lie. We were born into Adam. You get born again. How did born again turn into something that blesses me and takes me to heaven someday instead of a brand new life with a whole new living way? We even let self-centeredness creep into our definition of born again. And we made born again all about my blessing instead of my transformation. So now we sing all the right stuff and live the same in many ways. We got to get a grip on that and say, wait a minute. That's not why he came. Man, he's good. Like when I didn't get it, he never lost sight of it. Like he knew why we're here from the beginning and man has never changed him. Man can never change him. Generations of unrighteousness haven't changed him. Generations of sin and willfulness hasn't changed the Lord. He's the same. Man, I love that about him. I say it all the time. On my darkest day, he didn't lose sight of who he created me to be. He didn't let my life change his mind. That's why he had the power to change mine. Man, you know how we've gone to work and we let work alter us and people alter us and now we got to work beside so-and-so, oh man, and we're gearing up because it's going to be a long day. <laughs> Guys, that is totally self-centered, self-focused. It is so weak. You're letting one person decide who you are and how you are and their name isn't Jesus. But it's normal to us growing up. Normal language, normal conversation. We eat lunch and talk about that stuff and say, oh man, I hope you don't got to work behind him, beside him tomorrow. And we're not even thinking about shining light and walking in love and making peace and showing mercy. We're just thinking about who I got to work beside and if I'm going to make it. Come on, it's just good to use some of these illustrations because we get caught in this stuff. And days and months and years go by and we do church the whole time. 
I'll smile the whole time. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at Ava. I'm hunting turkeys. I'm having fun, man. You say, what did them turkeys ever do? They strutted their stuff. Pride comes before a fall. They're out there saying, ain't I beautiful? They got no revelation of covenant. They're trying to get as many women as they can. So I put my little fake woman out there, and they come up there. Ooh, poof, over. Done. (laughs) Am I doing this, Patty? Pray for me right now. See, I'm, I'm having fun, man. I'm hunting turkeys. I'm not mad at anybody. Can you tell I'm not mad at anybody? I'm excited that God never changed his mind. How many times did you change your mind about people? How many times did people change their mind about you? How many times were you in and then you were out? You were on and then you were off? How many times did they say this and then say that? And you said this and then said that? That ain't the Lord. We didn't learn it from him. He doesn't change. His love never fails. He's not up and down. He's the Lord. That's amazing. Gives me so much confidence to be in fellowship with him. Man, when I was lost, he was wooing me, not disgusted. When sin was abounding, grace was coming greater. Not to empower my sin, to get me out of it. You think I'm not serious now? You think I'm not going to surrender to a God like this? He is good. You say, yeah, but look what happened with your kids years ago, and look what happened to your wife, and look, your mama died, and look. If I find the goodness of God through life and life unfolding, I'll be as deceived as people that go to church and don't know God. Come on. He's not my genie in a bottle. He's not my answer to a wish. He's my father. And I came forth from him, from the beginning, through his will and his son. And he predestined me to be adopted in as his boy. And he loves me. And he didn't save me to play charades with me. He didn't kill my mother. He didn't drive my children. He gave me an answer to stand and stay the same like he's the same. He showed me a perspective that kept me solid like he's solid. He said, the things I do, you'll do if you believe. He said he's the firstborn among many brethren. It says we're predestined in Romans 8 to be conformed to the image of his son. Yeah? That's a lot of scripture that makes us one. He calls us the body of. He said all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now you go in my name. What did he do? He just sent you to represent him. That's a big deal. You could say, who, me? Yeah. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Man, if you're a Christian for a better day, you're probably distracted and deceived. You're probably focused on how your day's unraveling. You're probably missing the opportunity to walk in love and live in the spirit. If you're just saved for a better day, you're probably stumbling over your day. I'm not saved for a better day. I'm saved so I can shine in my day. So that when my kids do make terrible decisions, unfortunate decisions, untimely decisions, I can love them like he's always loved me. So that all of a sudden the light can dawn in them and they can turn and see just like a prodigal, they have a father to run to. See, the prodigal son story isn't about a prodigal. It's about a father to return to. It's about somewhere to go. 
It's not just about a boy getting convicted in the midst of his sin. It's about having somewhere to go. And when he got there, he found more than he expected. Yeah. That could be you and me. We could be that same guy. Not the boy. The papa. Come on. You grew up saying like father, like son. Why don't we let it be so? Come on, if he loved me this way, why wouldn't I love you this way? If he forgave me, why is it hard to forgive you? How can you be selfless and have trouble with forgiveness? It's impossible. Come on, let's get on this thing. I'll smile the whole time. Don't get uncomfortable. You're here. Hey, I'm talking to you through that. Yeah, you. Yeah, no, I'm just playing. Are you with me? Come on, let's get real with this thing. We've been trained by a lie. We've been homeschooled in the wrong home. We've been taught by life our whole lives. And then the author and giver of life comes and he says, hey, I want to make a great change. I want to transform you. I want to bring you out of darkness and into the light. I don't want God to take you out of the world. I just want him to keep you from the evil one. But I want you to stay here. Why? Because he wants us to be the body of Christ, to shine as light. Yeah? It's Matthew 5. I think it's 14. You're the light of the world. I thought you were, Jesus. I am. And I put myself in you. Now I'm telling you, you're the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. He said, no, he was talking to his 12 disciples. Dan, don't exaggerate the scripture. Well, in Matthew 28, he said, you go make disciples of every nation and teach them to observe everything I told you. So if he's talking to Peter, James, and John, guess what? He's talking to me. And you don't have to believe that. That's, that's your privilege. You don't have to believe that, but it's in your Bible. <laughs> so I encourage you to. <laughs> he said, you're the light of the world. You can have a different attitude than you ever had. You can actually walk in love. You can make peace. You can show mercy. It's not weak. It's not passive. It's not sissy. Come on, guys. It's not wimpy. We ain't nobody making me a doormat. Jesus was not a doormat. He was a living epistle of love manifested love. He said, follow me. It's a big deal. The honor that he would invite you into following his life, which means it's possible, empowered by Holy Spirit, or he wouldn't invite you. Why would he say follow him if you couldn't? So don't make any excuses. Throw all the justifications away. You say, well, brother, you don't know what season I'm in right now. See, that right there is what deceives us. That right there. That line working for you. Well, yeah, but you don't know how it's been. You see, I'm not being mean. You see, yeah, but you don't know what so-and-so's been doing and what I have to go through. And I'm just praying through right now, but I got a lot going on, brother. You just back off a little more sensitive. I mean, I'd be in a different place if it wasn't for this, this, and this. But none of those things have anything to do with truth. They're all of a sudden, they become justifications for you to be the same. Now you have no conviction for change. So tomorrow's always yesterday. And how long can you live there without getting bewildered? discouraged or deceived. Come on. How can we live in the same old mindset that we never flourished in and proclaim him at the same time? He changes your reason for being. You say, well, the people around me don't seem to care. It doesn't change anything about who he is in you. Yeah, but my spouse doesn't want, it doesn't change anything. Stop preaching at your spouse. Just walk in love and shine. Live change. Just be in fellowship with God and don't push the envelope and don't project and let your spouse see in time 
We don't like that phrase. In time, let your spouse see that you're changed. And let Holy Spirit convict their heart. Don't you try to be Holy Spirit. (laughs) Spouses are notorious trying to be Holy Spirit. (laughs) Like a guy like me will be preaching and I'll be like, I hope they're listening right now. They might not even pray in tongues, but they're trying. Oh, ta 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 about that. <laughs> it's crazy how we do that stuff, man. We get so focused on each other. You've been in a service like this, and I'm speaking something. You've been praying for your spouse to change in, and you're like, ooh. And right then, they're opening a gum wrapper, and you're like, spirit of distraction, I find you and break your power. And the whole time, you don't even realize everything I'm saying is for you. Because you don't even realize you're letting where they're not decide where you are and your focus is their life. Come on, it's just real. See how I smile the whole time? Hi. You look so bright. Yay. Man, there's so many people that are mamas now too since I first came here. You girls. Some of them weren't even. Yeah, do you, did you like preaching all the time, Genesis 1? Everybody's getting married and having kids, like, nonstop. Turn the page, though, brother. They got it. They got it. (laughs) Talk about a pastor trying to grow a church. (laughs) He said, we're (laughs) in-house. This ain't transfer growth. This (laughs) in-house. Just keep preaching Genesis 1. (laughs) You got it. You got it, guys. Flip the page. There's so much good gospel. You know what's so awesome about what we're talking about? You'll never be as free as when you learn to not think for yourself, but think for his name and for others. It's the freest place you'll ever live. It erases self-consciousness, fear of man, insecurity, identity crisis. It erases everything that we've all fought with at some level. We've all fought with this stuff at some level. Some more than others. Some more expressed. Some more subtle. But we've all been focused on ourselves From the time we were little, we needed honor, appreciated, stability. We needed approval. And a lot of us didn't get those things at a very young age. So then the fact that we didn't have those things began to dictate our lives and fashion us a certain way. So we became a product of our lives instead of his life. And by a very young age, you were nothing more than however you turned out through however you responded through whatever you went through. Because we all had great need. Because we were all born into a life without an identity. You were finding yourself along the way. But the tragedy is that the person you found wasn't even you. It was however you responded to whatever was. When you find yourself in him, everything changes. That's why he says stuff like out of darkness into light. That's why he takes you out of the world. Right? You're in the world, but you're not of the world. It's so beautiful. So all of a sudden, I wake up every day as a Christian, and I realize, man, my life's not my own. I didn't wake up for me. It's not just how God can do something for me today. It's not about him blessing me or making my seas calm. It's, I don't even think that way anymore. It's about shining. It's about walking in love. It's about being a legitimate Christian, a little Christ-like one, that in the course of life, I make him known without trying so hard. Because when I've been alone with him, I've been changed. So I'm not projecting. It's who we are. You get what I'm saying? Come on, guys, we can live this way. 
frustration, contentions, arguments, animosity, the stuff that happens sometimes in our homes because we get familiar with each other, it can go away. I'm telling you, it can go away because it takes one to start that process. It takes two to tango. It takes one to make peace. Come on, some of us even fought with God, against God. Some of us grew up angry. Some of us were mad at God because so-and-so died. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on just in this room, in our backgrounds. And if God would have entered the equation to tango and, well, we're knocked out. No, he's a peacemaker. He came to make peace through the blood of his son. So while we were yet sinners, he sent his son. And you're going to try to tell me he's not good? While we were yet sinners, he sent his son. You're going to tell me he's not good? It, does, it said for God so. Aren't you glad it says that? Aren't you glad it doesn't say for God was so antagonized, frustrated, and at wit's end with humanity, he finally sent his son. That's a different picture. But he's so. Love doesn't seek its own. Love takes no account of the wrong done to it then why are we hurt as Christians? Because we don't understand what it means to deny ourselves and live for the glory of his name. Somehow we're still living for ourselves in his name. Come on, love takes no account of the wrong done, keeps no record of the wrong done to it. Why are we legitimately hurt then? And if you preach this stuff, then all of a sudden you're not being real. You show me Jesus hurt. You ever see Jesus just sitting on the Mount of Olives sulking? He's sitting just one morning, just sitting up on the Mount of Olives on a rock at daylight. Peter walks over to him. Lord, what's the matter? I just, I ain't feeling it, Peter. I just ain't feeling it, man. Yesterday was hard for me, but I mean, all them people we healed in Capernaum. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was cool, yeah. But... But they just don't get it. They won't repent. They're needy. When I fed them, they just came back and found me on the other side because they just wanted more food. They, they don't care what I'm saying. They could care less. They just want what they can get out of me. And I don't know, Peter. I don't know if you ever felt this way, but I just feel so used sometimes. I feel so, I don't know. It's just trouble. Oh, hey, John. Yeah. No, no, you're not doing that today. I'm on you today, John. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys never read that scripture? You never saw that in your Bible? Because he never was that. And never will be that. Why? Because he's Jesus? Because he's love. Don't miss it. Don't make him a special man. What makes him special is he's love. Of course he's God, almighty, omnipotent. I get all that. But what's amazing is he's love. That's why we have access. He could be all powerful and not be love. Now he's just some wicked ruler. He's all-powerful and he's love. That's mind-boggling. Growing up, all our little sitcoms, the little cartoon things, all that. I always talk about this it's just because I remember this. Maybe I'm the only guy that saw these little cartoons, but it was always this little sinister guy. He usually had a big head, big head that looked like a light bulb with a nose and a tiny little body, and he always wanted to rule the world. <laughs> Did you ever see those little cartoons? There's a little sinister guy trying to get all the power and rule the world. But it wasn't because he was love. For God so loved. So he came and he forgave me of everything I've ever done. And he looks at me as if I've never sinned. A lot of Christians don't get that. 
He justified me through the blood, just as if I never sinned. Come on, if you're forgiven, how can it be as if you sinned? If you're righteous, how can it be unrighteous? Ah! If he forgave me of all my sin and cleansed me of all Where does that leave me? Righteous, clean, free, Colossians 1, holy, blameless, above reproach. Come on, this isn't blasphemy. It's not my fault. It's how he sees me through the blood because the goodness of God leads men to change. You see, brother, it ain't all about love. It's about judgment. You show me where judgment transforms lives. And the people that quote that all the time are mean when they're saying it. And don't know Jesus very well. You can't know him and be mean. It's impossible to know Jesus and be mean. You say, brother, that's too hardcore. No, it's 1 John 4. It's 1 John 4, 8. If you don't love, you don't know him. And love isn't selfish and doesn't seek its own. Didn't say you don't go to church, serve in a ministry, feed the hungry, feed the poor, or go on a mission trip. But it did say if you don't love, one reason, not two, one, not two, one, you don't know him like you could. Not talking about need for a Savior, not talking about forgiveness of your sins, not saying whether you're going to heaven or hell, not even in my mind. I just know that scripture point blank says if I don't walk in love, it's because I don't know him like I could. Which means it's impossible to know him and not be transformed by him. Jesus said in John 17, 3, and this is eternal life. That every man prays this prayer and confesses his sin to get his name in a book called life before he dies. That's not what he said. He said, and this is eternal life. That you might know him. It's a heart knowing. It's an experiential understanding knowing. It's, a, it's not a gnosis knowing. It's not one plus one is two. It's to know him. This is eternal life that you, everybody invited, that you. Then we get complicated. Well, except, you know, if you haven't been predestined, predetermined in the elect, and you just, ah! Isn't it amazing how the people that preach election always believe they're the elect? It's so self-righteous, proud, and presumptuous, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yay God. <laughs> but see, you can't even get mad at that stuff. You cry over that stuff. Your, your heart doesn't go, oh, what a bunch of knuckleheads. When you know Jesus, it, that changes in you. So you say, well, brother, that gets me because I still think you knuckleheads sometimes. Okay, so you catch yourself thinking that. It's not about failure. It's not about condemnation. It's not about you're not for real. It's about grow up into him. So when you take permission away from yourself to live there, that's when you'll see grace start changing you. When you catch yourself in that place and say, man, where do I assume the right to mark a man with that kind of label? If God came and looked at me and said, you knucklehead, I'm done. Would he have a right to call us a knucklehead, Mo? Do you think God would have had a legitimate opportunity to call us knuckleheads? Do you think, Dylan? I think, but he never called us that. Through his son, he calls us sons. 
calls us beloved. He calls us saints. He calls us holy, blameless, above reproach. That doesn't sound like a knucklehead. Doesn't sound like I rubbed God so wrong that I got under his skin. Well, brother, you got to get out of denial and get real. I mean, there is some people, brother, that get on your nerves. Why don't you get new nerves? See? Because your idea is just waiting for everybody to change to line up to your preference so you make your preference Lord. That is self-righteous. Now all of a sudden everybody has to fit your world. No wonder people feel lonely. That's a lonely place to live. It's called control. It's called manipulation. It's called unrighteousness. I'm smiling the whole time. You can't even hear this stuff and not hear it. (laughs) I can feel it in the room. You can't hear this and not hear it. It'll transform your life. I I think June, I'll be saved 24 years. It's been so fun. Like fun. Yeah, I'm happy about that. It's a blur. It's a flash. My hair's a lot wider. I don't even know what's going on with all that. Just the more I pray and read, it just changes. I'm calling it wisdom. I'm 57. I don't know where time went. Saved 24 years. Boom, it's a flash. But what a fun 24 years. Man, did everything go the way I ordered and wished and hoped? Man, probably hardly none of it. Being honest, probably hardly none of it. Non-stop challenges. Non-stop people doing things you didn't think they'd ever do. Non-stop. Whose life doesn't look like that? I'm not saved for everything to go smooth. I'm saved to shine and to be more like Him when things don't go smooth. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Why? Because he gave us a new perspective. He gave us a new understanding. He took away the biggest problem in every one of our lives, us living for us. And all of a sudden, they can wake up for his great name and live in honor and integrity and look in the mirror when nobody's looking and actually feel good about what I see in that mirror. No secrets, no regrets, no condemnation, no looking away, no looking down, just smiling. And it's not vanity. Yeah, see, I feel that right now. See, because I live with me. I know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm going to go to bed with me tonight. I'm going to wake up, look in the mirror. It's going to be me. It's going to be another awesome day and a turkey will die. (laughs) I am really talking about killing a turkey, ain't I? I have no compassion. They're not people. They're... They're in pride and they're not people, so I can't even pray for them with mercy. If it was a person, I would just pray for them and cry. If it's a turkey, I'd just shoot him. You can't eat people. (laughs) Eat turkey. It's good. (laughs) What am I doing? Pray for me, Roy. (sighs) There's some prideful birds, man. No, be real with me. Mark, Matthew 16, if any man come after me, let him first deny himself. I don't know that we preach that. I think we try to get everybody in heaven. I think we try to get everybody to nod their head and pray a prayer that we've come up with and get everybody to believe they're going to heaven when they pass. Instead of get rid of the biggest problem we've all had, waking up for yourself when you're made for his image. You're made for his likeness. You're made to live in him. You know how many people commit suicide 
just in our generation, it's probably astronomical, the numbers just in our generation that have committed suicide. You know what's so tragic about it? You get tricked and deceived into taking something that's not even yours. And we're so sure it's ours. We're like, well, it's my life. I'll do with it. What do I? It's never your life, friend. It was always his life in you. From the beginning, read your Bible. It was always his life in you. And life apart from him is so twisted up that people take responsibility and privilege for their own life. That's why abortion's a big stink with abortion. Well, it's my life. I'll do with my, it's my baby. It's my life. I'll, never was your life, friend. In fact, the right to conceive is a gift and came from the Lord. Just to wake up every day is mercy. Mercy wakes you up every day to give you one more day to look more like him. Mercy every day to have one more day to be like your father. And guys, we would grow up in a wisdom that found reasons to complain, be discouraged, be upset, be frustrated, have issues. Come on, I'm not being mean. I'm just talking real. And I'm saying, man, what if we just get back to this thing and say, wait a minute, this is why he came This is why I'm in him. This is why he's in me. I'm going after this Holy Spirit. Seal this thing in me. And then you keep yourself disciplined. You stay in prayer. You keep studying. Show yourself to prove till you actually start believing what you're surrendering to. See, a lot of people think. A lot of people think that a lot of a lot of preaching on freedom is because see, here's what we've done. We've studied a fallen man. And we have psychology and we have all this study on a fallen man. We have personality types. We're studying a fallen man and saying this is us. So when when we get thrown into a situation, we believe we already know through life lived how we're supposed to be because that's how everybody else would be. But you're studying a fallen man. So if Jesus, through his word, can change the why in your life, the perspective and the motive, then all of a sudden, you don't respond the way you always did because you changed. And then people that don't understand that look at that and think you're not being real because they know they wouldn't be that if they were in your situation. So what they're doing is they're saying the way they would be is truth. Ain't that something? <laughs> Man, when I read my Bible, I'm telling you, it's like I can live changed. Did you did you ever realize this? Do you ever think of this stuff? I sit and think of this stuff. It's like I think he gets me to think of it. It's like I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, whoa. And then people would say this to me my whole Christian life because of the stuff I preached. They'll say, well, brother, you got to get real on some things. I mean, God gave us emotions. You make it sound like you're not even supposed to have emotions. No, I have tons of emotions. You can tell when I preach, I have tons of emotions, but they're all channeled through truth. They're all coming through a perspective that's not unhealthy. And my emotions are never at the cost of another person. They never rob you of your identity. They never fringe over on your identity. I'm passionate about topics. I'm passionate about things. I, I get on fire about things. I get, I feel argh, like not towards people, towards things sometimes. I'm like a freight train of emotions. But I believe my emotions are channeled through truth and selfless living. So they're not negative emotions. Watch this. People say, well, God gave us emotions. Don't you give him credit for what we grew up with? Adam gave you those emotions. You were born into Adam. 
You learn them in an unborn again life. You have to get born again. Now, let me, just bear with me. This isn't deep or too heavy. You'll be able to get this. From the time you can remember, it was all about you. You were the priority. That's why you were angry before you could speak English. Well, if love takes no account of a suffered wrong, then why are you angry? Because we're not love. We're self-centered. We were created to be loved, but we became self-centered through sin. We got cut off from the source of love, became in need of love. So instead of being love, we need love. So instead of getting it from where we need it, we try to get it everywhere else. It is good preaching. That's how I feel all the time, man. I just can't like, you know. I live with me. This gospel changed my life. You can say, oh, you're bearing witness of yourself. Well, I guess I am because I live with myself. I know this. I've been on both sides of this thing. And the more you learn through prayer and receive grace to live selfless, you can't even hardly describe the freedom. And then you can't hardly even talk about it or relate it because everybody's comparing themselves among themselves and we make our experience Lord instead of him. And all of a sudden, we're not even following him. We're following ourselves and trying to align his word to us instead of let his word change us. Do you know how many people in the church have trouble when people are going through a crisis and they're okay? If he's unmovable and unshakable and he called us to be unmovable and shakable and have grace so we can stand, then what's wrong with standing? Like when my mama died, you think there's not physical loss? I'm not denying physical loss. I'm not, I'm not like saying, so what? My mom died. Hey, no, it don't matter. No, you, 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 there's physical loss. You can't hug your mother anymore in the flesh. I'm never going to look at her eyeballs again as a man on the earth. I'm never going to hear her voice again on the earth. She's never going to be at her chair on a holiday. I get that. It's real. But there's something I get a whole lot more. That if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, it's a done flat out loss and from ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But no, she's with the Lord. She's in the presence of the Lord. Like she's in eternal victory. And the worst I have is a temporal moment of time where I don't have my physical mother on the earth. But I'm going to live forever and ever and ever and ever in the presence of the Lord and she'll be there. And I'm going to let this little temporal time rob me of walking in the light and shining. No, friend, I'm not. You're not going to talk me into depression. You're not going to talk me into false tears. You're not going to get me to hang up pictures and cry every anniversary. You're not, because I'm free. Yay. Not smiling anymore, because you're not. Now I'll smile. <laughs> Serious. People are getting robbed by this stuff. And they're letting life decide who they are and how they are instead of the giver of it. And it's because we're not wrapping faith around a bigger picture. And we're not seeing what Pastor Roy said. We're not seeing life as a gift to where we Live it out in him. And we get, he said, we get to live this life. Come on, that's different than just praying for a bunch of stuff. Living this life is different than praying for a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah? Man, I'm glad you all came. You really did come. 
We pulled up. Miss Patty said, oh, my. <laughs> I was nervous because I didn't realize they didn't open the doors yet. I saw them people, and I thought they were already, everybody was already in here, and they couldn't get in. I said, they said, no, they didn't open the doors yet. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. I got nervous for you. We come out in the open grass and just preach out front. You know, honestly, all joking aside, it excites my heart when I see hunger like that. When I, when I, when I, like when I'm preaching right now, you might not know what I perceive. I'm up here. I'm, I'm in the anointing. I walk in. I'm in the grace that I understand. You can perceive hearts soaking up the things that are being said in this room, which just humbles me and excites me beyond what I could probably explain. That people want this gospel. They don't just want saved to go to heaven. They don't just want blessings. They want to live free. They want to have an impact. They're tired of being miserable and angry and frustrated and having a reason to be mad. See, when we say God didn't give us the emotions we grew up with, it's true. Adam gave them because we got self-centered through Adam. So, so all your emotions flowed out of a self-centered wellspring. You know how I don't teach this stuff from the pulpit much because people just, they critique. Now, some people just sit and listen for just one thing they don't agree with and then go crazy over that one thing. So I'm going to do it right now and just get a thousand emails. I just am because I'm just not worried right now. We always say Jesus couldn't sin because he was God. But I have trouble with just that comment because what it does is it always gives us permission to sin. And then we can't even talk about it because people say, well, what are you saying? Are you perfect? Well, nobody's perfect, brother. What are you saying? You're perfect? And we can't even talk about it without freaking out and reacting to it. No, what I'm saying is Jesus came and denied himself and made himself of no reputation. He had to be empowered by God. He came as a man. Yes, he was the son of God, but he came as a man. He didn't defeat the devil as God. He defeated the devil as a man empowered by God. Extremely scriptural. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That's man. That's a man. Jesus of Nazareth. If he came as God, he wouldn't need anointed. With the Holy Ghost and power who went around doing good. Yeah? And healing all. Jesus was selfless. Completely selfless. There's not one sin on the earth that was ever committed that didn't hinge to self. Do you see why he said, deny yourself? It's the problem. It's not your neighbor. It's not your spouse. I see your spouse too, and I don't feel like you towards them. <laughs> I'm crying for them. Why are you crying for you? <laughs> I'm having so much fun. You guys take it so well. You really do. You're so fun. You guys take it great. Jesus was selfless. Sin has no birthplace in selfless. 
if you don't seek your own and take no account of a suffer wrong, where does sin have a birthplace? Where does it have a platform? See, brother, you're freaking me out because, see, it's like you're trying to say in a code, you know, like you're not sinning, you know. I'll tell you the raw truth. I don't even think about sin. And if it would be something in my life, it's very hard to talk about because people want to crucify you and can't hear what you're saying because they're so sin conscious that they get like a cat in the corner when you talk like this because they'll leave here and look at something they know isn't profitable. And then they get lulled to sleep and their conscience gets grayed out. And then they preach a grace message that allows them to stay there and still be. So when you talk like this, people get nervous. (laughs) Romans 6 says, I should reckon myself dead indeed to sin but alive unto God. How can I reckon myself dead to sin and still boast in my ability to commit it? How can I reckon myself dead to sin and still keep feeling the need to talk about it and how much that I always am doing it and maybe I'm even sinning right now and don't realize it? Oh, people talk like that. I just had a lady do it with me. She went through the whole, she was taught that her whole life. So she went through the whole line. She said, brother, we're all sinning right now. Like we're just not sensitized to the spirit enough. So we probably have sin in our thoughts right now. We're like literally sinning all the time and aren't aware of it. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible said he that knows to do right and doesn't to him, it is sin. It's not talking about unconscious stuff. Come on, let's not complicate this thing. Because then people keep an identity of sin. And then they don't ever address their life and, and get a picture of their life transformed and changed. I wonder if you woke up every day, every day, just woke up, you and me, every day. We just woke up and sincerely had a, a communion time in the Lord with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I so appreciate you in my life. Father, thank you for another day. What a gift, right, Roy? What a gift to live this thing that you created me for. And I just thank you today. Man, with all my heart, I believe this, and I ask you to make this so real, put definition to it, and keep me in line in this thing that nobody owes me a thing today. God, I woke up to shine. Even my spouse, I just woke up to love. Nobody owes me a thing. I'm not going to let anything around me decide my disposition because you've already settled that thing, God. I thank you. There is joy in my heart, unspeakable. I'm coming after you, and I thank you. You're going to reveal yourself through my life without me trying. Thank you for another day. That would send you to school. That would send you to work. That would send you to the mall in a whole different place. People wouldn't tick you off, bother you, get on your nerves because you got new, all that stuff. Yeah? People say, well, you got to admit, brother, some people just rub you wrong. You tell Jesus that. And you see what he says. Because I'm not going to fight with you over it. You, you try to sell that to Jesus. <laughs> well, brother, you got to admit, people, some people are just geared, man. They just flat out bother you, man. Come on, get real, brother. You try to sell that to Jesus. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Except that one idiot over there. I hope <laughs> I can well. 
He's been bugging me since the day John proclaimed me. He's been in every crowd. I think he's just there to torment me. Please make him suffer hard. See? See, when you put those kind of thoughts in Jesus' mouth, it sounds ridiculous. So it ought to sound ridiculous in ours. We're made for his image. And as he is, so are in this world right here, right now. In fact, I'm just going to close with that. I am. Oh, who laughed at me like I'm not closing? (laughs) Who was that? That was a loud, unbelief laugh. I don't blame you one bit. I don't even believe that stuff when I say it. I just say it because I mean well. 1 John 4. You want to look at 1 John 4? This would be awesome. Can we look at 1 John 4? Oh, my. 1 John 4 is 1 John 3. It's amazing. See, I got my Bible color-coded. It's my own little childlike color code. But all, everything green is love. Look at that right there. Whoa. So we probably ought to read this. Wow. See, Jesus paid for our transformation. You see how the chapter starts. Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Now, that doesn't mean you're looking at somebody going, what? Yeah, just skittish about everybody. Just, yeah. Test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, watch. By this, you know the spirit of God. Now, see? There's people that that fight over this. People in church, leaders fight over this right here. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Why is that the barometer to test a spirit? Is it up there? Why is that the barometer to test a spirit, whether it's of God or not, that it confesses Jesus came in the flesh? Why isn't it that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God? Why isn't it more spiritual? Why is the barometer that Jesus came in the flesh? Because the lying spirits, the things that don't want to acknowledge this thing, don't want you and me to ever see what was accomplished through his flesh and what we've become because of it. Doesn't want us to ever step into the finished work. Just pay homage to him and bless our food. And now I lay me down to sleep. And Yeah. Test the spirits, not every spirits of the Lord. And a spirit that doesn't acknowledge Jesus came in the flesh and doesn't make much of that. Why? Why? I added to make much of it because you can't know that without making much of it. Why? Because it's the whole reason he came. Yeah? Like, here's what I understand at this point. I was taught my whole life in church, he died on the cross because I'm a sinner. And he has to forgive me if I'm going to go to heaven. And for some reason, he wants me to go to heaven. So he had to send his son to die so I could be forgiven and someday go to heaven. I don't know about you. That's the gospel I grew up with. Still mad at each other. Still beat up my brother because I was younger but bigger. And I thought that made me better. And still yelled at my parents when I got older. And I still had all my issues. And I was still not changed. He just left me a forgiven sinner. But here's what the gospel taught me. He didn't die on the cross because I'm a sinner. He had to die because sin cost his life. 
But the reason he died was to give me new life, to get the lie off of me, to restore me back to the beginning and redeem me through his blood. Now, nobody ever taught me that. Nobody ever taught me that his spirit would come in me and he could change my nature, my motives, my perspective, my reason for being. Nobody ever told me I could walk in the light as he's in the light. They just said I'll always be the same and for some reason he loves me because he's love. No, I get it now. Because now I have the ability to love you because this revelation is so in me now. I see why he loves me. He doesn't see me for where I've been and what I've done. He sees me for my potential, my creative value, my purpose. He sees me for why he put man on the earth. And he never lost sight of that truth and paid a price to restore it. Nobody ever taught me that. Holy Spirit had to teach me that in the bedroom. And then you come out of the bedroom teaching it and people look at you cross-eyed. But I realized the people that didn't believe that weren't free. And they sure could preach a sermon, a Bible-based sermon. But boy, they had their issues. And I've seen countless people leaving churches, fighting, mad at pastors, pastors mad at people, sleeping with folks, messing around, lying, saving face, covering up things. I've seen it all. Right in the center of the church. And it showed me that we don't understand why he came. Because if we understood this truth, those things can't be. Can't be. Because the truth will make you free. Yeah? Come on. I know that's straight and pointed and challenging. It's on purpose. Don't you sell cheap when you're not for sale. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Yeah. It's not Christ incorporated. It's Christ in you. I was in Alabama preaching like this years ago. A young man was driving home from the service, and he was shook. He was just sitting back there. And you know how people are funny. Like People come in, and they're determined not to listen because somebody said, you need to come, or they're just coming because their spouse said, well, you need to just come. So they're like, well, I'll come. Fine. I ain't listening. I'm so not threatened by that. I, I love you. Do you get it? Like, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me your attention. I'm fascinated you're all here. You know what I mean? People say, well, do you ever feel resisted? Like, how was the atmosphere? I said, I don't even pay attention. I'm having the time of my life. <laughs> like, I'm not looking around to see who's not receiving. It's not, I'm a seed sower. Yeah. You're giving me a mic. I'm just... Getting in in the back, man, where they say the anointing ain't as strong, but I don't believe that. Because when I go to a church, I sit back there. You're seed sower. The kingdom of God is if a man scatters seed. It's not the kingdom of God is if a man is so clear and so calculated that the anointing in his life is so amazing that everybody falls on their knees and praises the Lord. I'm preaching so good. (laughs) You're a seed sower. If you don't sow, nothing's going to grow. You sow seed. You sow seed in your family, in your workplace. You sow seed everywhere you go. Somebody comes along and waters that thing. You don't even realize what's going on. Somebody reaps something where they didn't even sow. I read this stuff in the Bible. 
Like somebody will just reap somebody's life. Somebody will get born again. And then we call them an evangelist and they do conferences. Well, the only reason they reaped is because somebody sowed. And it wasn't even them that saved them. God gives the increase. So we ought to all just labor together and rejoice together. Because some sow, some water, some reap where they haven't even sown. So you ought to get your seed bag full and get real wet. Be an Isaiah Christian where God fills the thirsty and floods the dry ground. (laughs) And then you just start pouring seed and pouring water. Says you do that, you go to bed at night and wake up and go, whoa. And it says the seed, the seed all by itself. Oh, so I've seen people that come to service sometime and they are set on. I mean, you see it sometimes. The Lord even lets me see it sometimes. I don't try to figure it out. As most of the time it's guys. And they'd be like. <laughs> but it's so funny how that never stays there. Because they can tell I'm not being mean. I'm not trying to set them straight. Some people say, you're funny. If I tried to be funny, I wouldn't be funny. I don't even know how I ever got funny. People say, you're funny. I don't even know what's going on with that. But I watch them change. I watch their hearts change. I watch, because you can't hear and not hear because it's not in parables. It's too simple. It's clear. And the heart perceives. And the hearts get challenged. But that person could leave and even be like, whatever, and leave. But you're so excited because people were here and I'm so honored to be in this position. I don't need to be up here. I'll I'll minister through my life no matter what. But what an honor to stand here and believe you have something to say in the Lord. And now Holy Spirit has a voice in everything that was said in that individual. That that individual could be laying on their bed tonight and just those thoughts running through. Two days from now, come back. They could be in the middle of sleep and wake up. My face will be right there in front of them. (laughs) It would be so awesome. They could be just chewing out their spouse and all of a sudden hear something that they heard tonight. They could be done chewing them out and walk away and get the whole way through the house and Holy Spirit, boom. They could ignore it and, ooh, yeah, but she deserved it. He deserved it. And they get in the bathroom and next thing you know, they're in the bathroom with the door closed just crying because they understand they're out of control and they have a different thing going on on the inside. They got an option now. I'm telling you, I get these testimonies. They sound like fairy tales. People say, I found you on YouTube, and I was so mean and so miserable, and my marriage was over, and I started getting convicted. I was listening to you, and next thing you know, I couldn't even be mad anymore without thinking about it, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and God changed my life. And I'm thinking, that's the gospel. (laughs) Somehow we got the idea we just go to church, and life's the way it is for everybody. You know, whatever. (laughs) But hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're not supposed to do good church. You're supposed to be good church. In fact, if people can't see him in your life, they don't want what you say. Like anybody, watch. I'm not being mean. Anybody can be angry and have an attitude and issues. That doesn't make you special. That makes you like everybody that doesn't know God. (laughs) 
What makes you special is when you walk like him. When you understand, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. If they really knew, they wouldn't be doing that. If they really saw, they wouldn't be saying that stuff. And all of a sudden, you hurt for them instead of hurt because of them. And now you realize you've grown. And all of a sudden, you're not even trying to be okay. You just can't see any different because you've been with him. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's got my hair standing up right there. (laughs) So see, this isn't my fault. He gets all the blame. He's guilty. He's guilty of changing lives. We should just be guilty of believing him. So when we stand before God, our guilty verdict should be, you believe me. You are guilty of being a believer. Because if heaven marks me as a believer, everything's going to be in place. Uh Uh-oh. Believer what? Believe that he just loves you and wants to take you to heaven? No. A believer that he wants to live in me and shine through me and you love not your own life unto death and you endure hardship as a good soldier and anyone enlisted no longer entangles himself with the affairs of this life. This is a brief moment, a brief moment of light affliction when you compare it. See, that's not denial. A brief moment of light affliction when you compare it to the eternal weight of his glory when he comes. Probably ought to live for that day instead of letting this one decide you. Sounds like faith to me. Man, that's just solid. I got to finish. I said First John 4, and the ladies got me all. <laughs> Whoever she was, it's her fault. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's definitely not her fault. I've been here before. <laughs> Verse 7, beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. In verse 8, he doesn't say born of God. He just says you don't know God. You say, well, that's because he's saying you're not even saved. Well, I don't even need to talk that one over with you. Here's what I know he is saying. He who does not love does not know God. He didn't say you don't go to church. He didn't say you don't pastor. He didn't say you don't serve in the ministry. He didn't say you don't sing on the worship team. But he did say, if you don't love, you don't know God. Why is he saying that? Because it's not about what we do for him. It's about what we become because of him. He doesn't call us servants. He calls us friends. You don't serve in a worship team to please his heart. You walk in love because he paid for that. Yeah? And when you walk in love and sing on the worship team, kabang. That's a whole nother realm. Kaboom. When you walk in love and minister, when you walk in love and feed the hungry, when you walk in love and go on a mission trip, whole nother realm. Because if you're not walking in love, you'll let the things you do for him take the place of knowing him. And what you do for him will have your identity instead of his love. And you'll get puffed up and knowledge will puff you up and you'll get proud and you'll say, well, I did this and I did that and I did this. Well, I go here. Well, I have three times a week. I Heaven's going to look at, did you love? You say, well, I had to love if I did these things. No, read Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13. It says you can have all knowledge, not some, all. All knowledge of all mysteries. 
You can have faith to move all mountains, which means all faith. Well, guys, that's the closest thing to Jesus we've ever seen. That's an icon. That's a spiritual icon, man. That's the keynote speaker at the World Conference. All knowledge, all mysteries, all faith, all mountains, we all want impartation from that dude. And he said, if he doesn't have love or she doesn't have love, they've missed the point and got nothing. And then it says you can give your, all your goods to the poor and your body to be burned. Well, why would you give all your goods to the poor and your body to be burned if it wasn't love? To make a name for yourself, for people to esteem you, to mark people's hearts for your sake. Because you could give all your goods to the poor. Now, they'll get your goods. And you give your body to be burned. And if you don't have love, you got absolutely nothing. Ain't that something? 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction, the purpose of the commandment is love. The finished work of Christ is not paid in full when a man prays a prayer to go to heaven. The finished work of Christ is paid in full when his nature is restored back to love. That's the glory of his inheritance, not yours, his. His inheritance in the saints. His deposit has reaped great dividends. One son, many sons. <laughs> Do you get it? The finished work of Christ is not paid in full when a man prays a prayer to go to heaven. It's when his nature is restored back to love. We've just tried to get in the book. Here's our, here's our average order call in America. If you leave here and get hit a tree on the way home and die and don't know where you're going, raise your hand so we can pray. That's our average order call. We're trying to get people to respond to a prayer we came up with called the sinner's prayer to make it easier. I'm not against the sinner's prayer and I'm not against your name in the book of life. I think that's incredible. But please tell people the story so that they can become... You could pray a prayer to go to heaven in case you hit a tree on the way home. You could be mad at your boss tomorrow. You could scream at your wife before bed. <laughs> Come on, guys. You're saying you never scream at your wife? I can't hardly even talk about my life anymore. People are like, what? <laughs> if you ever bump into my wife, you ask her. If I ever screamed at her in 24 years, I don't know how to. I love her. And it's because I'm in him and I love him. You say, well, brother, yeah, I'm condemned by that. Be challenged and encouraged. Don't leave here and say, boy, I got a long way to go. No, leave here and say, man, I got light on the trail. I got somewhere to go. I need to raise the bar. I need to stop calling what is normal. Because if it ain't producing life, it can't be God. I found in Scripture, the wrath of man never produces the righteousness of God. And he rules his kingdom with the scepter of righteousness. And the wrath of man never produces the righteousness of God. Look how we've held on to permission to have wrath. And the last thing you want is God to have it. Why do we want to receive from him what we're not willing to become through him? Matthew 18 calls that an evil and wicked servant that wants what God is towards him and doesn't want to become what God is towards others. It says that man is bound, tormented and in darkness. 
Matthew 18, it's there. You can read it. Okay, I'm trying to finish. I'll be done here in a couple minutes. Don't laugh. Couple minutes is two, isn't it? Jesus. He too is. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Wow. That's so encouraging, guys. That's telling me that I can't have relationship with him, intimacy with him, without him influencing my life to the degree that he begins to mold me and shape me after who he is. If that's not a picture of grace. So watch this. In this, the love of God was made known towards us or manifested towards us. It means to made known, seen, revealed that God has sent his only begotten son into the world. See, the measuring stick of God loving you is Christ crucified, not your circumstances. God loving me isn't tested by my mama dying. God's love towards me isn't tested by getting laid off at work. God's love is already settled by Christ being crucified. If that wasn't true, how could you ever get rooted and grounded in his love? If his love was always up on the chopping block to be questioned through life, how could you ever have faith working through love? You see what I mean? You'd be reduced to being driven by need. Now watch this. That, that, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This stuff is in your Bible. Do you see this? It's not up there, but it's in your Bible. (laughs) In this is love. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Now I understand why that message was taught to me the whole time I was growing up. Because it never let me see his first love. It made me wonder about it and confused and asked more questions than I ever had answers. Because why would he love me? Why does he care? Why does he want me in heaven? Nobody taught me purpose. Here's the deal. If you don't preach the gospel in a way that causes men to see God's love, how will they ever love him? Because of that scripture. If you don't see his first love, at best you'll feel indebted to him and you'll feel like you have to serve him or you owe him. And then you won't feel like you're measuring up to your service. But when you see his first love and you love him, yay. And because you love him, you obey him. You don't obey him to prove you love him. You love him and obey him. You obey him because you love him. Come on, that's simple. He says, if you love me, you obey me. He's not saying, if you love me, you obey me. That's how we hear it. He loved us first. Not that we first loved him. And he sent his son to show us mercy through his son. That's what propitiation means. Beloved, if God, watch this. This is so in our Bibles. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That should end every counseling appointment right there. Who's a leader? Who's a pastor outside of Roy that has ever done counseling or counseling appointments in this room? Anybody? Yeah? Let me see your hands. Raise them. There's a bunch. Wow. Look at you. Keep your hands up. Let me look at your faces. Tell me if I'm telling the truth or if this is an overstatement. A high 90-some percent of counseling is people having trouble with people. 
people struggling with people. You know what that proves? We don't understand the gospel like we sing. Because how can you have trouble with all these people? When you know who you are through him and know who he is through you. All of a sudden, people aren't even your problem. You have an answer. Yeah. See how quick my counseling appointments are? I need to talk to you, Pastor. I'm really hurt. Why are you hurt? We need to talk about not being hurt. Well, get real. Everybody gets hurt, brother. Well, maybe we ought to look at some scripture and talk about relationship and talk about perspective change and see if that's still true when we're done. And all of a sudden, I don't even talk about who did what because if I can change their view of it, all of a sudden, they realize they don't even have a need for an appointment. Because all their appointment is saying is, I can't be okay until they change. Guess what they're doing now? They're making them the Lord of their life and don't even realize it. So now their whole life is governed by an individual that's not Jesus. And they let what they don't see decide what they do see. You see, I am trying to finish though, right? Beloved, if God loved us, shouldn't we just love one another? I'm thinking the answer is yes. Love is not seeking its own. No account of the wrong done to it. It's kind. It's patient. You know, there's a joke in the church. Don't pray for patience, brother. God will give it to you. Well, when you're praying for patience, what you're saying is I'm not perfected in love. I'm not formed in love because the first thing love is, is patient. I'm just short on patience. No, you haven't been formed in love. So people have lines in your life they can cross. There's chips here that get knocked off. You take them lines away, get them chips off, and you'll be good. Yeah? Okay. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. It's not our confession. See, he has given of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Now watch. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. That's huge, guys. God is love. And he who abides, dwells, remains... In love, abides, dwells, remains in God, and God in him. Now watch this. This is amazing. Love has been perfected among us in this. This is amazing. That we may have boldness. Boldness in the day of judgment. You know the day of judgment doesn't look like a day when men have boldness if you read Scripture. Scripture calls it a day of darkness, a day of doom, a day of gloom. It says men will cry in despair. They'll cry out for rocks and trees to fall on them and consume them, lest they face the glory of who he is. The day of judgment does not sound like a cool day. It's actually called the day of darkness, like a day of gloom, like dread and terror, a day of terror. You can find that in your Bible. And you can have boldness in that day. How? Because as he is, he just talked for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven verses straight on God being love. It's all green. Eleven verses. Because as he is, 
He is what? He's love. As he is, so are You'll have boldness in that day because as he is, so are you. When he comes, he'll see who he is in you. And it'll mark you the same. And you'll have boldness because you've walked in love. You don't have awe. You don't have, you don't have to fear from his presence. You'll just reverence him because you already have with your life. There is no fear in love. For perfect love casts out fear. He's talking about that day right there. He's talking about the fear of judgment and torment. That's why you have boldness. Because you're walking in love and there's no fear in love. Perfect love. It's cast out all fear. Why? It's not self-centered, self-serving. You're not seeking anything for yourself. You're fearing him, his name, and loving others. It's just amazing. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been perfected in love. See, we misunderstand that scripture a lot of times. Don't read it in context. We just think if you fight with a feeling of fear or somebody goes, boo, and you go, ah, that you haven't been perfected in love. (laughs) And then he nails something down in verse 19, and this is where I'll close. We love him. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Listen, when you minister Jesus to somebody, you got to make sure that you show them why he loves you and how he loves you and what his love is, is revealed as. On my darkest day, he didn't lose sight of who I was. He never changed his mind about me. I didn't have the ability to change his mind because God is steadfast in a rock, no turning, no shifting, a shadow. So he wooed me when sin abounded, grace came greater. He came into me, overtook me, saved me from my sin, called me out of darkness into light, put his life inside of me, and then said, I've changed you. You're now the light of the world. So walk in the light. Yeah? Let your light so before so they see your life and go, whoa, there is a God. Says nobody, nobody lights a lamp and then puts a bushel over it. So guess why you're born again? You're born again to shine. So anything that keeps you from shining is a strategy of deception. Any reason you have for not shining, you need to relook at that thing. Because you let your light so shine. I did a conference months ago. It was called a Champions something, Becoming Champions. And I had them look up on their phone some champion definitions. And I said, I'm looking for a definition. I don't even know what it is, but I'll know it when I hear it. And somebody said, read it. I said, nope, that's not it. That's a good one, though. But that's not it. And somebody said, someone that has overcome every obstacle. I went, that's what I'm looking for right there. I sprung off that one phrase and preached the whole thing. A champion. Aren't we more than conquerors? Aren't we overcomers? We overcome every obstacle. Yeah? How can you do that? By walking in the light as he's in the light. Your goal is letting your light so shine, not having everything go the way you hope. How come we get laid off and live laid off? Why do we get betrayed and live betrayed? On the night he was betrayed, he's passing bread and cup and giving his life. He said, follow me. On the night we're betrayed, we're calling a friend crying, telling him all the details. Pulling their sentiment into it. That's pretty. I like that. 
I just flat out like you. That's the problem right there. Ever since I first came here, I have had the problem of liking you. (laughs) It's not a problem. You gave me a CD a long time ago, too. Somebody did. But it's you singing. And I play it. I wouldn't tell you that if I didn't. You're on that picture, too. It's all of you. The whole crew. It's good. Yeah, just keep strumming that thing. (laughs) Hey, guys. No, seriously. Like, this is the anointed moment. This is the end of the service. This is like when God actually comes and does stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) No. He's always doing stuff. I honestly, I felt like in my heart for the last, I believe in the, for the last bunch of years, one of the strongest impartations in my life is just the ministry of the word. Just to speak the word in a way that a child could understand. And it goes right into the heart. So this is what I want to tell you with him playing so beautiful like that. Like we can live this life. So I just like kind of passed you the ball. Like we're, you know, it's it's NCAA thing. It's a big tournament right now. So I just passed you the ball. You're breaking to the basket. Just take the ball and go, man. You see what I'm saying? Don't don't pass it off. Score. Take the ball. Yeah? And just say, you know what? I'm the steward of my own heart. I'm going to guard my own heart, not other people's. I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to pursue Jesus. I'm going to have a relationship. And I'm going to give him every bit of permission from within me. To mold me and shape me and make me everything he paid for. And I'm going to be that thing that he saw from the beginning. Yeah? That's for you to respond to. Now you let somebody else shut that off. And you let something else matter more than what really matters most. And you get your mind on the earth and not seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's your privilege. But it won't produce anything good. And a lot of people think life is a grind and tough. And I'm telling you straight, it's because you're not living it for why you're here. The only reason life is a grind to people is because they're living it outside of grace because they're not waking up and living for what they're here for. Why would God empower you to go down a road you were never created to travel? That's why it feels hard. If he changes his perspective, even in the hard trials, you won't crash and burn. Because you'll have a different vision. And it's never just about you and how you feel. It's about his great name. And the message you're sending to others. And when you get that, that's when you realize you're free. And nobody can touch that freedom. I can write about it, gossip about it, talk about it, opinionate it about it. But nobody can touch that freedom. So go for it. Because it's yours. It was paid for. He just wants your participation. He wants you all in. He wants you to say yes. So are you saying yes tonight? I mean it. I'm telling you, I'm not even having an order call. Like if, you, if you've never even been born again, just say like, duh. Really, that's repentance, duh. We always sing repentance as, oh, I'm so sorry. Sometimes people do the boo-hoo, I'm sorry, because they don't see any answer. True repentance a lot of times is just 
Duh, what was I? Thank you. <laughs> See, it's just not that complicated. She could be just sitting there and go, duh. I mean, serious. Tap the person beside you and say, hey, see, this is a different order call. It's just you being real. Tap the person beside you and say, hey, are you born again? This guy's talking about, are you born again? Well, yeah. Well, I'm not. Can you pray with me? That would be awesome. Listen, if you haven't been living the way I preached, I didn't preach this so you go, oh, man. I preached it so you say, yes, God. It's not about where you've lived or haven't lived. It's about how you respond to what's being said. It's about leaving here with vision and purpose. It's about running the race worthy of a prize. It's about not drawing back. Because when you draw back, it's certain destruction. It's about continuing on. I'm going to pray over you guys. Then we're going to do something Kind of quickly, but it'll be fun. Father, we just thank you tonight. I thank you for all the people that are over there in that overflow. Just acknowledge them right now. And, and just, guys, you're in this thing too for sure. You just pray for grace over all these folks, God. That everything that was said would become such a reality, become such our lives in you. Father, the freedom that I'm talking about. Oh, my goodness, Lord, that that freedom would just come into our hearts because of laid down lives, that people would just weep and say, this is freedom. And this is good. I just thank you that you erase the carrying of care, anxiety, discouragement, worry, and all the stuff that we've written in as normal. Lord, would you change that in us by causing us to wake up with a different why, a different motive, a different reason. God, in our marriages, don't, please, Lord, don't let us just without conviction continue to just live from one another like trying to get something from each other. Lord, teach us what it means to lay down our lives, to honor one another, to value one another, and bring out the best in each other. God, don't let us live another day truly needy. To know the love of Christ is to be filled with who you are in every way. Let it be our resume. So I ask that grace on this room, on every marriage, on every individual, on every soul. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and empower this night in a way that brings fruit, that brings change. And like we use the illustration of leaving here and you having a voice, let there be nowhere to run if we tried. Let this revelation overtake us, God. And let the world around us eat the fruit of who you are. I ask for that righteous fruit in this house and in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to do this. It's, it's a little after nine. I don't want to stay that long with all the kids in the sketch Wednesday. I, I, I have been a little sensitive to time. I, I didn't even want to go past nine. But uh, let's do it this way. Jesus won't mind at all. I know he won't. If you're sick in your body, legitimately got a situation in your body or you need healing in any way, just raise your hand and let us know where you're at, right where you're at. Just lift your hand. Please don't not participate. Don't say all oh, this end of service thing. You know, nothing ever happens to me. Please don't do that. Raise your hand, please. If you're over in that other room, raise your hand. If you're in the overflow, let people in the overflow see your hand raised, please. People in the overflow, look around. You guys look around. 
If you're sitting near somebody with their hand raised, reach up, tap them on the shoulder, say, hey, I'm believing with you right now, or look back and grab their hand. So they might be hitting you from the front and the back. That's all right. Don't smother them. Just tap them lightly. Don't smother them. But just get somebody. Just get somebody. Now, I want you to pray right here in a second and just, just, we're not even asking anything right now. Just say, be healed in Jesus' name in a second and just believe that God brings wholeness to their life and to their body. Do that in the overflow, please. Make sure somebody's with somebody with their hand up and let's believe God together. I'm going to pray. Don't always do it this way. I just feel like we have grace to do this, that God will come and just do sweet and beautiful things. And when you leave here and you're rising, you're setting down and you're waking tomorrow, you'll realize, man, this is a direct result of being prayed for. This is amazing. So we're going to believe that. Can you believe that with me, guys? Okay, this isn't just like a religious thing that we're supposed to do because it's like gives some kind of hope. This is what he paid for, the redemption of people's lives. So go ahead right now and just pray over in the overflow. Please pray right now. Say, be healed. In Jesus' name, be completely made whole. No more symptoms, no more pain, no more sickness. In Jesus' name, complete wholeness and complete healing all through this place. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. Thank you. Yeah. In Jesus' name, be whole. Total redemption and total restoration. In the name of Jesus. If you're being prayed for in your heart, just thank God that he loves you. Believe he loves you or he'd have never sent his son. Don't let the thing that you had that you raised your hand for distract you where his love's concerned. He loves you or he wouldn't have sent his son. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. So thank him that he loves you. And be whole and be healed. In Jesus' name. You say, does anything ever really happen when you do this stuff real quick and pray like this? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it makes you cry. The girl that does my emails for me, because I get too many emails and I don't sit and read emails on a computer. I'm sorry. I'm, I, people say, well, you should do that. And I'm a very personal guy. I just don't read a ton of emails. So if you send me an email thinking I'm going to read it and you send me one of them big long ones, I'm probably not getting it. She, she reads them. There's <laughs> just too many. But she said, you have to read some of these. So my pile gets really big. Like she actually prints them. And sticks them in a mailbox for me. And she, she said, you got to read some of these. She said, I read them all and I just cry. And I said, well, if you want to put a few in. My few is turning into a stack of papers because she's like, you got to read them. So, but they do make you cry. And it's just stuff that God does because he's good. And it's stuff that people wouldn't write if it wasn't legit. They're not asking for anything. They're just telling. They're just telling. I mean, you have a young girl who's laying on her bed watching YouTube and she's 17 and she's been promiscuous and she has H- HPV or whatever. Or H- yeah, is that right? Did I say the letters right? She's, right? H- HPV. No, it's a herpes thing. It's a, it's a, yeah. What is it? No, no, it's HPV. Am I saying it right? It's a herpes thing. Yeah, that's what she had. And she said she's watching a thing on redemption and if you sinned and and if you did things in your life and you're sorry for it and you wish you wouldn't have did it and you know better now and if you could go back and redo it, you would, but you can't. She's hearing this whole teaching. Well, if God will never judge you for where you've been, why is where you've been judging you? And if he takes all things away and you're a new creation and old things, especially when all things, she's hearing all this and she's crying and she says out on her bed, God, I am not that same girl. I'm not that girl. And heat just came all through her body. She set up an appointment, went and all the herpes detection was gone out of her blood. That's just one, that's just one, to me, amazing, huge testimony of a little girl. That's just one 
of so many reports that come to me through just simply preaching the gospel and trusting God will do these things. It's really, really good. I just got pictures sent to me, a guy in a little service like this, that just we just did a little thing like this at the end, had a golf ball-sized tumor in his lung, and he sent me the picture, and then he sent the side picture and the front picture of his new pictures since he was prayed for, and there's zero nothing in his chest. One little six-second, ten-second moment. Don't get frustrated at that. Get excited about that. You say, well, that didn't happen to me. Get excited about it. Let it be relational. Let faith not just be a point in time. Not a hope so in a moment. Let faith be the position of your heart to receive what he paid for and stay in that place. Yeah? Look, I love you. I think I'm done. I'm going to hunt turkeys tomorrow, man. And uh, so pray for me. I get this big, giant turkey. Even if you don't like hunting, pray for me. <laughs> so, uh, no, actually, I, I, I took Trey today. I want Trey to get a turkey, but we didn't get no turkey. But, but anyway, we'll get one tomorrow. You guys good? We can live this life.